Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast. Share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hey, Genius Leader, welcome to the next episode or the other episode of this show. Today, we'll continue the conversation about getting your prepared for the hypergrowth of your company so that you can do it successfully and sustainably for yourself and your business. And today I'm talking to Pauline Malabai, the digital strategist and director of operations. That Pauline is the founder and CEO of Pauline Malabai Consulting, and she and her team are helping uh, visionary female leaders with strategy, coaching, and implementation support so that they can be unstoppable. Pauline also hosts a podcast that is called How She Owns It, that, where she interviews female leaders who are happy being entrepreneurs, even though it's not always the uh, all rainbows, rainbows and unicorns. And they're having very honest conversations about how the journey looks like. And today, Pauline talked about getting your household in order. How can you prepare yourself for this hyper growth? How can you go through it in a controlled way? We are talking about hiring. We are talking about processes. We are talking about onboarding and firing. The unsexy part of business known as operations. And we break it down. Every of those stages, we break down into concrete steps and giving some piece of advice, what you need to think about, when, how can you implement it, what does it mean for you and your business. And without further ado, I just want to let you listen to this conversation and take notes and commit to taking action. Because wherever in business you are, you will definitely find something here that will be useful and timely for you right now. So commit to taking action from here and let us know what that action is and how that has helped you in your business. Enjoy and see you on the other side. Hey everyone, it's time for Genius Leadership Podcast Live. And today I am joined by Pauline Malabai, who is the business strategist or business growth strategist. And we'll talk a bit more about her background and what she's doing. But first of all, I want to, as always, thank you for finding time to tune in, whether it's live or when you're listening to or watching to the recording later on, because I know that time is valuable. And that's the biggest and the most valuable asset for all of us, especially leaders and entrepreneurial leaders, CEOs of uh, the tech startups. And this will be the focus of the topic uh, of the conversation today for us with Pauline. How do you reclaim your time? How do you get more of it in your day? So I hope that gives you the enough motivation to stay with us throughout the whole conversation. And Pauline, warmest welcome to you. Hello, everybody. I am so happy to be here. Anna, you're doing a wonderful job in the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Poli Malubai, as Anna rightfully pronounced. My um, my agency, my digital agency is called Poli Malubai Consulting. I was very boring and just stuck with my name. So I call it PMC. I am the CEO and founder. And we help CEOs get their time back and focus on their zone of genius by running their operations and making things making them run their business with ease as well as helping them with strategic planning. And I used to be in the tech space. I know a lot of your audience are tech leaders and in startups. I used to work in the tech space, a big tech firm. And I also used to work in a product design agency working with a lot of startups. And I love startups and scale-ups there. It's I am I have so much respect for founders because it is entrepreneurship is so difficult. It's not for the faint-hearted. So every day that you have a business and you're showing up, give yourself kudos. Yeah, absolutely, Pauline. We're on the same page here. We know how hard it is. We've been there. We are there. We're doing it ourselves. We're showing up for our audiences and our clients. And we know how, how how hard it is for our audience and our clients as well. And that's why we're supporting them, right? So you already said about it, like you help your clients to really reclaim that zone of genius and 
get their time back by helping them with operations. But before we dive into that, I usually start off with a question, what is leadership and who is a leader for you? Because that's the general theme for our show. So for me, leadership is all about making people realize their zone of genius, their talents, their uniqueness, especially when they are in the moments that they feel the most of the self-doubt, right? And I remember I used to be an intern a lot. I did a lot, a ton of internships. And I remember when I had a manager that said to me, "You." one of the feedback I was given was, you do not have leadership skills, right? And as a junior, you take that to heart. But I learned such a great lesson from that. And it was that true leaders pick you back up, especially when you are at your lowest and especially when you are doubting yourself. And I've been fortunate enough to have other great you know, managers who had greater leadership skills and the one that told me that I did not have leadership skills. And that's when the contrast happened and that the penny kind of dropped on what true leadership is. And for me, that's something that I always do now, even with my team, because there's a lot of women in my, we're all females and there's a lot of perfectionism and imposter syndrome that really is rampant. Everyone has imposter syndrome, of course, it's not by gender, but especially women because we're socialized to be perfect, to be caretakers and to have a career. And I see it a lot. And I, I and I always go back to that when I was 18 and that per, that was one of the biggest feedback I received from that man, that new manager who was still developing his leadership skills. And I look back to that now and I thought, oh my God, what a blessing because now I can see that I can be a great leader. I can pick up my team and tell them, no, you got this, you're learning and let's try again, right? So for me, that is what leadership is. And the second part of your question was, who is a leader? Exactly, yeah. So, oh, this is really hard. <laughs> I feel like the world is needing really great leadership right now. And I'm looking at the news and I'm like, oh my God, I can't even look at the news because there's not a lot of great leaders. <laughs> so I'm still thinking of that right now. I can definitely see a lot of great leaders in the tech space. And I, I, I know, and this is, they're not famous, but definitely the last company I've worked in, he definitely was a leader to me because he was able to command the room and gain respect without managing people. It was all influence. And for me, that is what makes a great leader. Not when you're uplifting and empowering the people that you're leading, but also when you are influencing them rather than managing them. Because anyone can be a manager. It takes a skill to be um, to be a leader. And it's that influence and the authority that comes without power or control, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, for me, my last manager was definitely a leader. I love I love your answer and how many aspects of you covered here and those are uh, the themes that we're discussing here quite often the influence for example and how the uplifting of of your employees and serving them to to help them be the best versions of themselves is the essential part of leadership so thanks for that answer uh, talking about the operational part right this is your zone of genius helping with that you you and your team are really brilliant at that and I would like to dip uh, uh, dive deep into this topic, right? When someone starts the company, it's whether whether they are alone or they have a very, very tiny team of a handful of people, they wear way too many hats, right? And that, that's generally the entrepreneurship thing, right? You won't ever wear one hat if you're an entrepreneur. You will have to switch, right? And that's great. But with the growth, there is some something that there, there is some sh- change and shift that has to happen that you don't necessarily need to keep wearing all those hats that you have used to do in the beginning, right? And I want to start talking about that. When do you think it's time to start evaluating that? Which hats are still relevant for me? Which should I start redoing, redesigning in the company and for myself? How would you guide us through that process? So hire before you're ready, always. By the time you're ready to hire, it's too late. You're probably already reached, you know, you're already burnt out. You've already um, reached rock bottom or whatever. (laughs) Um, Something, a ball has been dropped already. Or you've already missed a great opportunity because you were too busy being in the weeds of your business that could have given you a lot more cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. And this is, 
what economists call opportunity cost. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I always say, and me and Anna, you know, you and I have the same coach, always hire before you're ready. Even, you know, if you're a side hustler, basically, and I totally get it because I was the same way. You know, we try to be thrifty. We try to be cheap, especially when we're not making that much cash flow yet. And everyone, like, if you're there, absolutely fine. Give yourself credit. Like, give yourself some self-compassion. If you're fearful about hiring, it's completely normal. It's scary. It's terrifying. Especially if you're just coming from becoming an employee and then suddenly, oh my God, I'm going to be an employer. What? Um, It's scary. It's terrifying. But what I mean by hire before you're ready is that be really thrifty and be really scrappy and put on that ingenuity ingenuity hat on that all entrepreneurs have. And if it's not there yet, keep digging. It's, it is there, I promise. And think about, is there anyone that can help you with the business that you may not necessarily have to pay, right? And I'm not saying, you know, don't, don't be legal, but really think about bartering services. Think about your 10-year-old kid who probably knows how to create graphics on Canva, who probably know how to write the captions for you with a little bit of training. Think about a sister. Think about, you know, an, a niece, a nephew that's in second uh, high school, in secondary school, who's looking for something in their portfolio. Think about like an artist, a friend who's an artist or a graphic designer or someone in university that you know who needs something for their portfolio that you can also add value Think about that and really be scrappy and really make sure that you create other roles that are not just, you know, full-time employment. Think about hiring someone, maybe raising your prices by a specific percentage for your next client so that you know that percentage is going to be with someone who's going to help you manage your diary. And also think about technology. Think about leveraging on technology. And it really is rather strange to me that some people don't have schedulers, right? And they're still emailing back and forth about a specific time. That takes like 15, 20 minutes of your day that you could have done some a podcast, right? <laughs> so to, to increase your visibility. And it really catches people off guard that they don't leverage on technology enough because one, they don't invest the time to research the tools that they that could help them. Two, they don't ask. They don't ask other other entrepreneurs what tools they use. And I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to tech. I am all about AppSumo. If you don't know what AppSumo is and you're a business owner, you need to get an AppSumo because they give you really discounted software. And sometimes you own them, you pay one price and you own them and it's not a subscription. So look look and ask people that you're other entrepreneurs that you're with and really see what they're doing to solve these issues that they have when it comes to time because leveraging technology and hiring someone in a way that's not conventional hiring, but asking for assistance is, um, if you're strategic about it, it will save you, you know, hours, hours in your week that you should be doing as a CEO, which is focused mostly on visibility, you know, PR stuff, networking with people, which could be done with PR, I suppose. And also sales, because when you're an entrepreneur and you're brand new, that is really your main focus. Um, and either, unless you're going to go into like the venture capital route, and that's kind of the same thing because you're pitching your, your business plan. But really, really, really try to see, just be scrappy. This is the first thing I always say. And once you start getting those cash flow in, then you have those processes in place. Or if you haven't created it yourself, someone else that has started to help you has created it. And that you can bring specialists to really turbo grow your business, right? Once the cash flow comes in. But if you wait too long and there's no systems and processes and suddenly you got a lot of cash flow and you just hire, you will most likely hire incorrectly, to be honest. Because one, even if you do manage to hire a person, right, the right person, you might not be able to onboard them well enough so that they, the productivity, the phase in which they become productive in your business is stretched out a lot longer, right? Because you don't have any standard operating procedures. You don't have any systems and processes. You don't have a way to communicate with anyone that's not you or your brain because you have not hired or or seeked assistance from anyone else. So really start to make a habit of implementing best practices where you it's not just you in the business because 
it's best practice because when you are ready to hire full-time employment, all of the, the foundations that you need are there and are ready. I, I'm, I'm not noting some things here because you, you've touched on so many good, great things here, uh, Pauline. So first of all, hire before you're ready, right? Uh, this is a very tough thing, just as you said, especially when, you, when you're a startup, you're bootstrapping, you're not taking any salary out for yourself. It is hard. But as you said, be creative. I'm, for example, still at that, at that stage in, for my own business, right? I am uh, in the early age, uh, in the early stages of it. And I'm looking for inter- interns, for example. So I have mm. had a VA a contractor. And then at some point I was joined by two uh, girls who, who, who are doing part-time for me on top of their uh, studies and uh, full-time job just because they're interested in the company. So uh, first couple of months was an unpaid internship. And that gave me a bit of a leeway to get into uh, more stability with my revenues. And now they they are on on a paid basis, but it's still much less than I would like to uh, pay them. And I really love their support and I really want them to keep growing with my company as the company grows. Just now I'm getting a new intern who found me online who got a scholarship most and and she she even had uh, with that Erasmus scholarship she came here to Iceland to work with me and that is the thing like opportunities are there look for them and when people ask uh, how do you find those people one of the girls I found by posting on, on Facebook I just said hey I'm still like growing my company I can't offer that much of budget for uh for the internship or for the uh, for this work, but I'm happy to invest in my uh, in the development of my interns, and that's what I do. I coach them as well. Yeah, exactly. Order, so, and it's I, what I would have done to get a coach at the age of fifteen <laughs> with all of the anxiety of, of that transitional period. I would have done it. Like honestly, I. That's why I don't think people should feel guilty. It is an exchange of services. It is something for their portfolio. It is a life experience for them. And even better if you can pay them, right? But, you know, as long as you care for them and you nurture them and you really invest time, right? And they invest the service with your with your business. I don't think anyone should feel guilty. I have done unpaid internships before in London, right? <laughs> so, so I can, but it's all experience. And I know how a great internship is like because I've done so many of them. So I have now, I have a whole internship program inside my agency and I love it. And everyone's like, I want to stay. They want to stay in internship because they're learning so much. They're always, they get free access to my coaching, my accelerator program. They drop in every day. I know about their family, you know, what's happening with their dog. Like we're very close. We're very tight knit. And there's no feeling of, you know, I'm being taken advantage of. It's it's literally like having a friend helping you out. So I don't think, I think a lot of people feel guilty about that. Obviously check the legal. I know that there's a lot of legality. So check the legal stuff, you know, and check that. And make sure that you're not being legal. But honestly, I don't think you should feel guilty. I think a lot of people do feel guilty, but as long as you care for them and they're getting a lot of value from the internship that will serve them well in the future, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as you're not taking advantage of that. So uh, the other thing you you said is really getting into the habit of creating the SOPs, right? And uh, also the the best practices, the ways of working. And it doesn't have to take extra time for you guys. And I want to emphasize that this is really about deciding for one week, for example, that whatever activity you do, you will start Loom or VAM. I'll uh, put the links to both of those services uh, in the show notes uh, so that you just record your screen and, and yourself. So there, there is opportunity to see your, your screen, your, your camera uh, is used and your voice is there. And you just explain what you're doing. And you can go through your inbox that way, for example, so that then you can delegate that to someone else. Give the video and say, systemize or start taking care of my inbox. That's the, just in the pre-chat, we discussed that, that I'm, I'm too much in my inbox and that's, that's what I need to do at the moment. So I'm just coaching myself. <laughs> and then, then you go and do something else, right? And, and you record the video for that. And, and that is there. You start creating those systems and you start uh, getting help with delegation, right? Or you, you delegate those tasks and you educate the people who, who are maybe not understanding the whole process so it's iteration, but get into the habit of that. Just as Pauline said, it's super important to do it as early as possible and get into the habit. And then it won't take 
an extra month of work for you to really set up those processes, right? And really burn yourself with the painful and inexpensive, costly mistakes on the process. And be prepared that it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable when scrappy in the beginning, but because you've already started the business, you know, you, you know, you probably are used to that feeling now. I would also say that this is, there's a lot of mindset when it comes to operations, because I always say, and people always laugh, but operations is not sexy, right? Mm -hmm. You, for example, Anna, you're a coach, right? I'm a business mentor as well. And most of the time we don't want to, we don't want to run a business, right? Our zone of genius is teaching, is mentoring, is helping people. I don't want to, I don't want to be deep in my calendar inbox or anything like that, right? And a lot of business owners are like that. So what happens is what I've seen and when I work with clients is one, they either bury their heads in the sand. (laughs) And I definitely did this with my bookkeeping when I first started. Then I realized, oh my God, let me just hire a bookkeeper because I cannot do this myself. Mm -hmm. And two, they are so reactive because their business is so successful that they just re- they just keep putting it off they just procrastinate they're like mm-hmm. okay well i'm getting a lot of sales my business is going so well i don't need to slow down and do anything mm-hmm. i don't need any processes i don't need to i don't need to hire and if even if they do hire they do it so quickly and they're just they just throw that person into you know whatever it is and it and then it if that person's good it kind of works so they just keep going but they're never there's never any skeleton of operations and then they hit a, a plateau in their growth. And they're like, oh, why is this happening? And then I say to them, well, first of all, are you getting clients coming back? Or is there, is there something wrong with the delivery of your service or product? Because again, their operations are not top notch. Or, and the customer service you know, suffers because they don't, their inbox are 200 plus unread emails, right? And then they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't feel stressed and burnt out. You know, I reached 250K this month. I don't know. I can't reach that 300. And they just come to me crying because they're like hit a plateau. And I said to them, okay, well, it's time that we actually sit down and be strategic about your delivery, your customer experience. And then from everything that we see, I'm pretty sure we'll find, you know, revenue streams that you have not even thought of. Money that you're probably gonna where you're losing because of the churn of your, you know, service or product that you're you, that you're offering, mm-hmm. and honestly, I, I always it always dumbfounds me how so many people do so well. I, I had a client, and I always tell this to my team because they couldn't believe me. She was she had a ma- uh, she was a master coach, and she had a business that was making two hundred and fifty thousand in revenue. And she did not have a project management tool. She had a WhatsApp group with all of her contractors, around nine or 10 of them. And she was running her business from a WhatsApp group. Let that sink in. (laughs) And she was making a quarter of a million. And she came to me and she's like, I'm stuck in the business. I've hit hit a revenue ceiling. I'm stressed out. I've got a three-year-old son. Like She was just a very stressed out person. And I said to her, well, no wonder you're stressed. (laughs) Anyone would be if I was managing. I don't even like group chats with my own social groups, right? Let alone as a business. So um, let that be like a kind of cautionary tale. You know, you really have to slow down to speed up. It's going to be a time investment in the beginning. It's going to feel annoying having to loom everything and talk, talk, you know, narrate what you're doing. But in the long run, the ROI, right, the return on investment is going to be a lot larger because guess what? You're going to have a whole library of, you know, videos and documents. If you can't do documents, have videos at least. And then when you get a new person, you can just give them everything. It's like, here you go, onboard yourself. If you have any questions, let me know. And then that person can be productive straight away rather than you getting calls after calls, trying to teach them everything where they might forget because there's no point of reference. So yeah, that's my whole spiel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, if we go to the hiring process, Pauline, what are your experiences? Where should the entrepreneurs and leaders pay attention? What kind of processes, services, tools to use? Yeah, there's there's a lot actually. It really depends on your business. I've just discovered a new um, tool called Otta, and it's really cool. It's it's for startups. It's brand new. I love the user interface. Um, and so if you're in the online space, a lot of people just post in Facebook groups, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. It's just there's a better way to do it. 
And that is, you know, actually having a job description, making that job description, getting that job description checked, right? By different people in your team or by family and friends, making sure that it's clear cut and also signaling the people that it's not suitable for, like being crystal Mm -hmm. clear, you know, you are this person for the job. If bullet points, you are not the person for the job. If et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I would also suggest that a lot of people find personality tests interesting. You know, the strengths, the Clifton Strengths Finder test, the Enneagram, all of that stuff. I think that's interesting, but I feel like that should just be an extra, right? It's, it's just another insight. I don't feel like you should rule out anyone just because they didn't score a specific way. You should at least meet them. And I always say, do a specific type of test. Always test and not just rely on interview because guess what? People are really good salespeople. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure that they can actually do the job that you are hiring them, especially the more technical it is. Unless, of course, you're hiring a salesperson, then how they come across an interview is going to speak volumes. But make sure that if you're hiring like a social media manager or someone who is a virtual assistant slash PA, personal assistant, then make sure you test them. That you test a skill that they will be using like 80% of the time. So let them create an Instagram strategy or captions. And I would also suggest that once it gets serious and you and it's a, the more senior the role, you can even do paid tests. What I mean by that is you can give them a paid task that you pay them for their time, like a $10 task. That's the more senior if you're hiring, for example, a director of operations or whatever. And make sure that if you do already have a team, make sure that they meet the team. I think that's so important. Actually, I have been I've been hired in a corporate job before where they've met other members of the team because you you yourself as a recruiter or the hire or the CEO, you will have your own unconscious biases mm. about the person you're hiring. So make sure that one they gel with the team and they meet other people from the team that they'll be working with. Hey genius leader, I'm chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me. If you're enjoying this episode, share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well. Let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. And also have this conversation and so much has can come up there, right? It's, it's about the chemistry because those people are uh, supposed to come together and create synergies and really drive your company f- uh, forward together. So if you feel like, oh, there is some kind of tension here, it doesn't mean necessarily that you need to scrap the person from the process, but dig deeper into that. Why? Do we already have some tension within the team, maybe, that that new person coming on board for one meeting kind of surfaced that tension? So there's also an opportunity for you to evaluate where your team, the current team, stands at the moment. Mm-hmm. The, other th- the other key thing is, is please include your mission, your vision, your mission statements, sorry, your mission statement, your vision statement and your core values in the job description. I always look out for those. And if you are hiring in the online space, I would make a video rather than a a straightforward CV. You you need someone who's very comfortable with video, right? Because eventually, if you want them to be full-time in your team, you know, depending on your business, you might want them to be marketing, you know, as well, your business through their own channels. So you need someone comfortable with online marketing, digital marketing, and who's not so insecure that they can't show their camera mm-hmm. in a video. That, sure. Yeah, I mean, it depends on where you are. If you <laughs> you have a, hiring a bookkeeper, maybe not, but you know, it, it really does depend. Make sure that you're very clear on the skill set, the person, the, the kind of personality and skill set that that person perfect for the job would be. But also have a disclaimer. And I always say this because a lot of women, it, there's that, you know, that statistic where if women don't, have 100% of the job description. I mean, fair enough. Like, right. I, I totally get it. I was there too before. Now I just don't care. I just apply anyway, even if it's way above my pay grade. But just have a disclaimer and be like, you know, this would be nice, but, you know, still apply if we think you're still like shoot your shots, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so have that kind of disclaimer. It's just for those people who are sometimes, you know, they would have been perfect for the job, but they just got scared by something, like by one skill set and they, they opted out straight away. So just be mindful of those people that are often like gold dust, but they just scare themselves. <laughs> Once the person is hired, Pauline, mm-hmm. you already, already kind of tapped into that. You should have those SOPs and some procedures and, and some process mm-hmm. for onboarding. But what would be the next steps to pay attention to? 
So have an onboarding and don't expect them to be productive or revenue generating immediately, right? That's just not fair. Give them like a day or two a week, depending on the complexity of the job, right? And this is why I say always hire before you're ready <laughs> because you can't do it. Do this now. I should have hired you the last week. Don't do that. That, that scares everyone. It's just terrible. You have to treat your, your team member as if they are your own client. Honestly, it's an internal client. Think of them that way. So make sure that your their experience is mirroring, you know, a great client experience. Make sure there's an onboarding. Make mm-hmm. sure there is a handbook, right? And if you don't have one, it doesn't have to be 10 pages long. It can literally be two pages. Tell them about your company again, your mission, vision, core values, who to call, your business hours, communicate, have a communication hub where everything is, the project management tool, the logins, have a video. Because it's hard, you know, it's hard when it's the online space and everyone's working remotely and building an amazing remote culture is difficult. A lot of people are still figuring it out and make sure that you touch base, you are available for them, them, right? For the whole week or two, depending, again, depending on the complexity, make sure that they know that they can reach out to you via, you know, voice notes or text message. And and you have um, a check-in with them, especially in the first month or two or three, have a weekly check-in with them. And what I would say is that make sure that you know, you have answered for them. And this is my favorite question to ask with anyone I work with, which is what is a, what is a successful three months me, um, look like to you? Make sure that you have set the expectations and you've given them what a successful three months look like. And if, mm-hmm. if you don't know, first month, right? And that will just give them, you know, that motivation to do their best to achieve what in your head is a successful 90 day. But make sure that you are available for the first week or two. Make sure that they know um, they have the welcome packet or employee handbook with, um, we have an SOP library in my agency. It's, it's, it's housed within ClickUp. So it's everywhere. Um, and it, everything's linked to a specific SOP. And also make sure that your SOPs are up to date. I once worked with a client where the SOPs were so out of date that it was like basically not even an SOP. <laughs> I was I wasted so much time trying to figure things out from like old SOPs in your business as it grows should be updated about six months every six months. So yeah, make sure they're and if it's not, then make sure that person you hire knows that they're not up to date and to like update them. And make sure that they, you have made it clear that it's okay to make mistakes right? You got to, with remote working, you have to foster trust more than anything, trust and communication more than anything else. And if they don't trust that they can make mistakes and be okay, or you are going to be okay with that, they might not tell you the mistakes and then they might cover it up and, or like sweep it under the rug or like think that you're not going to notice. And then that could cause headaches in like a few months time. So make sure that you have uh, an expectation that it's okay to make mistakes, but we gotta get we gotta, we gotta get it fixed ASAP, um, or we gotta learn from it, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are the three things. Make sure there is an onboarding period. Don't expect productivity immediately. Make sure that there is clear expectations on across all things, and start building bond a bond whether that we whether that they're part of a you know your whole team or just with you to build that trust. And have check-ins. They, I, people will be more productive if they know that you care about them. I promise you that 100%. If someone can feel that you care about their future or how they're feeling, how their day was, they will work better with you because you guys are, you know, friends or personal, you know. But also have boundaries and make sure that it is a professional relationship and you can be friends and you... And you can also be boss and employee. So um, make sure that there is boundaries as well. And that when it's fun time and you're socializing, you're just friends, you're just friends. And then all the business stuff, it's the business stuff. So yeah, that's one of my top tips. One of the uh, guest interviews uh, I had with Yelma Gislason, a local um, entrepreneur here in Iceland, he was saying about that. that sometimes I uh, actually use those different hats in the conversations with my friends. And I say, okay, now I actually am having my friend hat and I think you need to take time off, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, now I'm a CEO, uh, like wearing that hat and 
this is what I see or this is how I feel and then so on and so forth. So just really yeah. being clear about, okay, whom is your employee talking to right now? And it, it still, it, it doesn't have to exclude, like mutually exclude, right? The building a personal relationship and be professional with each other. But at the same time, as just as you said, Pauline, it's a very good point to have the boundaries, right? And to really make it clear, okay, where are we now? Which roles are we in? And what kind of communication and, and conversation are we having? One thing I would like to suggest here, tapping on what you said about the outdated SOPs, this is also a very good thing to have on the team to delegate the ownership, right? So that once SOPs have been created by you, you need to delegate them. So whoever is using that SOP, it's the best way to actually bring the ownership onto onto them because that really makes it we, we ensure that way that the SOP is updated right and it's also optimized so you'll also empower them like and say hey this was my process when I was doing that myself it doesn't mean that I am doing the best way I was just kind of doing so many things anyway so it was just like for me getting the thing done done if you see the ways to do it better maybe there are already some tools that I didn't yeah. know about or that did not exist when I was doing it and creating the SOP please let let's let's discuss it so be open to that, that SOPs should be updated, not by you and owned, not by you. Yeah. And it's it scary as well, because those are the processes, right? Uh, but again, there you can set boundaries, say, okay, those kind of updates and changes in the processes are fine to do and even don't inform me. Here, I would like to be informed. Here, I would like to have a discussion together so that we update together. So set those limits. It's just like when I was back in project management, if we would have uh, to make some changes in the budget of the project, there were different uh, clear uh, frameworks, right? Like up until this amount of money or percentage of the project budget, it's okay to just take the decision on this level. And here we need to take this kind of meeting and here we need to go to, to the steering committee. So create those kind of clear boundaries and that will be making it so much easier for you and for your employees. Such a great point, Anna, yeah. And in giving someone ownership, it's it's nice. I, I like it. I like owning stuff where I work for someone as well. <laughs> no, it, it's it's such a great point. I had a point and I completely forgot. Oh yeah, I remember now. So just going back to the friendship, you know, being friends with your employees or people you work with. I had a client where she really, she let go of her marketing person recently and she told me, I'm our COO in her business and she said that she should have, like fired that person, the, the marketing person actually quit. But she said to me, she should have fired that person a long time ago because it was pretty obvious that they were not invested in the business anymore that much. And things were slipping, like deadlines were being missed, all of that kind of stuff. But because they were friends, she really just couldn't. She had this like feeling of loyalty, which I completely understand. But I guess it's just like a, like a, a story to kind of explain your point earlier that it, it can be difficult if you don't set those boundaries. But most of the, but I mean, it ended in a, in a nice way, right? But, um, and they're still friends. But, you know, I think, especially as women, again, I keep saying that, but this is what I've seen a lot because I support a lot of female entrepreneurs. They really do struggle with um, the boundary setting between friends and, and employee. And, you know, you know, there's that business, was it, there's a saying that like, you should never do business with your friends. <laughs> Which I don't like. I really don't like that. <laughs> I, I completely disagree with that. You you should only make business with your friends because yeah. I don't like, like why? <laughs> why like, I don't want I don't want to make business with my enemy. Why? Why would I do that? I don't want to. I don't want to give them money. <laughs> so um yeah. So I think I think it's just important to be mindful and to again set set the boundaries because you know sometimes you could be taken advantage. People might take advantage of the fact that you are friends and they might not do their job as much as they. Mm-hmm should be so just be mindful of that but if you set the expectations from the very beginning you know business is business i'm ceo and you know outside of this we're, we're still friends and no matter what happens we're gonna be friends i think people a rational person would re- really understand so i just wanted to give that anecdote to to highlight what you've said because i think it's such an important point and so many people they just do it because they're like oh it feels great we're friends and then down the line when they're not the right fit for the business anymore because of growth or whatever, or, or, or transition period, it, they really do struggle to let go. Sometimes it's okay. And it's a great point to, to transition to the next stage that sometimes you are not uh, having a fit in your team, right? Sometimes you've hired someone who, who is not a fit or the circumstances in the, in the company have changed and that person doesn't, doesn't fit anymore. So when it comes to that, 
I know that a lot of entrepreneurs are struggling with firing people and keeping people, they, they're keeping people for way too long. And that is hurting the rest of the team, that is hurting the leader and the business and the clients. So can you guide us through the process of offboarding? How can how can we simplify it and make it a bit easier for, for the leaders to get to that stage? Yeah, it's hard. It's a difficult situation. It's basically a breakup, right? No one likes to break up with people. And just recognize that, that it's going to be uncomfortable. Recognize that on both sides, there might be hurt feelings. It is a risk and it, it will happen. And it's a highly emotional thing to do. It's a highly emotional conversation. But you should not let emotions take over. You should be rational when you offboard someone. And you should have a process so that this process can be replicated every time you offboard someone. Because it happens either, you know, for, you know, a, a le less pleasant reason or a really pleasant reason. They might find a really great job. They might have decided to go back to their nine to five. You know, they're so, or they might have a baby. There's so many like reasons why someone can be offboarded. But it's important that you have a process. So what I normally advise is that, first of all, see if there's any solutions that does not necessarily mean you have to fire someone, if that is, if, if it's the unpleasant reason, right? But if you've decided that it is the right way to let them go, then make sure that you are ready to give feedback, kind but honest feedback. And um, I think Gary Vee said, I really hate it because I really love this, this phrase and he, he's owning it now, but it's like called um, kind candor, right? And really have a process in which you have a one-to-one -one conversation and you listen. The first conversation is you just hear them out. Not you talking, you just hear them about how they think they're doing in the company, you know, any deliverables, you know, any, anything at all. They might even talk about their personal life. Some people might, you know, use their personal life as an excuse. Let them. It's fine. It's their experience. It's valid. Make them feel validated. And then create a rational on why you are letting them go. And rational is a key point here. Mm. It's gotta have to, it's gotta have to be objective and rational, not emotional. Not attacking. That person should not feel like should be a personal attack. And I always tell this to people, it's so cliche, but you know that hamburger when you're delivering bad news, always sandwich the bad news in the, in the middle. So, you know, give, give great feedback and then give the bad news and then tell them about other bad, other good news, right? Which is, you know, how, how well they were like in a company or the achievements they've done and make a tally of this, right? Ask other people how it was like working with them, right? And only pick the positive. Don't bring up the negative because there's no there's no point. There's really no point because you've decided to let this person go. So there's no point giving them all the kind of negative emotional stuff that other team members may be bringing in because if it's not constructive feedback, it's not going to help them learn, right? But if it is something that that is constructive and it will help them learn, right, and to improve, especially for their next employer, then it is your duty as the CEO to give it to them. Because that is great feedback. And then after that, you know, send them on their way and, and, and make sure that you don't burn bridges. Well, mm -hmm. actually, it really depends on you, right? Depends how bad this person, whatever they did. But try not to burn bridges because I do like to believe in people and I do like to believe that people do grow and develop. And I do believe that sometimes it's just not the right time, the right fit. And if that person grows and, you know, stays in your industry, you might work again, right? And you might laugh about it and be like, actually, yeah, I was not ready for that opportunity that you got. I messed it up, but I'm ready now. So never think that it's the end of the road completely. Unless, of course, they've done something that's just so unforgivable to you that you really want to burn that bridge down. But yeah, have a Sorry? Have a process. Have a process. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That, 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 that's what you started with. But the, then basically you broke it down in a great way, Pauline. I believe in that as well with keeping the relationship. And I would like to add two things that I reflected on while you were speaking uh, based on the previous interviews with the leaders uh, in uh, on the show. Uh, Joachim Samuelson was a great example of keeping the relationship. He was doing the series for... Uh, um, about their products and the company. And one of the 
sub themes or mini seasons on that series was with the alumni. So uh, the company called Crunchfish and they did a series of Crunchfish alumni. So those people who used to work for the company, but they have moved on and they were interviewed them, looked about, like uh, talked about what the, those people are doing right now. They were promoting the companies that those people work for. And this is a beautiful example of how it can be, right? It's not always a fit. It's not always a fit. And maybe maybe it's the employee who decides to go elsewhere. But as, as you said, don't burn the bridges. They're still in your space, right? You never know how you could collaborate together later on. Um, maybe you change your situation with your company. Maybe they decide to come back in some shape or form. So keep the relationship going. And one more thing I would like to add to the process is do the lessons learned on your own side. And that's, again, coming back to Yalmar uh, Gislason, whom I mentioned, who is saying, I always think about it when I need to offboard a person that it was some mistake on my side as a leader. Yeah. And it could be a mistake in the hiring process that we didn't look for something in the right way, we didn't communicate something in the right way, and so on and so forth, or me as a leader in the process while the person was already in the company. So look for those things. And it's not to put the blame on yourself, but to improve and to avoid that. Yes, mm-hmm. because offboarding people, it's a cost of process, right? Retaining yeah. talent is the, the most important thing for so many companies that everyone is talking about that nowadays. Yeah. So learn, take it as an opportunity for yourself to reflect and learn. What could I have done better and what can I do better next time? Yeah, um, yeah, com- completely. All of that, all of that was amazing. Yes, it's all data. I always say to people, and we're so hard on ourselves, right? It's all data. Just, just make sure you gather the data and see where you could improve next time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Pauline, I would like to ask the last three questions that I usually ask my guests to wrap up. First one would be three pieces of advice of yours. And it could be about the topic that we've covered already, but what it could also be about the life in general or entrepreneurship in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my first advice is that don't compare. This is a quote and I it's always stuck with me. And I always say it whenever, you know, the Instagram reel starts happening. Don't compare your page one or day one of entrepreneurship with someone's day 600, right? Mm-hmm. Comparison game. The only person you should compare yourself is yourself yesterday. You know, very cheesy, but very, very true. And people forget it. You know, we, we start to get envious. We start to get jealous of other people's successes. And yes, cut yourself. And then you just focus on your lane. Two is that you need a team. Hmm. I think you don't need a team, but you really do. I promise you, you really do need a team. So make sure that you start start to leverage. Um, and for my introverts out there who maybe are a bit shy about getting your first team, you gotta you gotta go out there because you're gonna burn yourself out. So you do need a team to grow. And also, it's more fun. Business is more fun when you have a team. Yeah, sounds like little, your little family that knows what you're doing for real. Not not just like your husband was like no idea what I'm doing. You have no idea. I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> so um, yeah, build a team. My number three would be, and I have to say this to myself, is patience is key and to trust the process. Mm-hmm. I am one of those people that's like, go, go, go all the time. I was always high achieving and always wanted it now. And working hard is how you're going to be successful. Not necessarily. You know, patience, giving yourself time to rest, giving yourself time to process and when things are slow and maybe you know you've come two three months with no sales and things are going wrong and your clients are angry at you just trust the process gather the data and then do better next time right and just be patient both with yourself and your learning but also with like a divine universe or whatever it is that controls <laughs> these lucky opportunities that sometimes stumble in our lap like today i, w- I woke up with like three emails of a referral and I was like, whoa, what? It's been a quiet month. And all of a sudden, I'm getting three referrals in like a space of an hour. So there is something in, in the process and in patience. So I always have to say that. My third lesson, I really am still learning it to, to do it and to trust the process. So those will be my three, three advice. I love them. I love them. And trusting the process and being patient. We all can improve on that, right? <laughs> There's no one who is an absolute guru and... Done, done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on, that, on that matter, especially in the entrepreneurship world, I would think. Yeah. Um, one practical piece of advice that our genius leaders listening or watching could take and implement or start implementing already today. You stole this one from me. 
download Loom. No, <laughs> download Loom and start documenting and talking to. It's gonna it's gonna sound really weird, but start documenting. You know, whatever, like answering an email. This is how you open my email and reply to an email. Okay. Start doing that. That's the most practical thing you can start doing with yourself. Because even if it's not, if you don't have the time to write a Google Doc, there's lots of templates about of standard operating procedures of how to issue instructions. Right? You might as well loom it or film it on your I don't know QuickTime or whatever it's called. In you know, there's loads of screen sharing uh, apps. That's the practical tip. I'm trying to think of another practical tip that you can do right now. Go to AppSumo. I promise you, there will be a software. <laughs> that you might like and buy you might want to purchase i should just be an ambassador for opsumo i rave about them so much <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, put the sh- uh, to uh, the link in the show notes that people can go and check out both those uh video recording or screen recording uh services and the author you have mentioned before and uh the opsumo as well pauline if people want to learn more about you follow your journey and maybe work with you how would they uh, be able to reach out so my website is helpmepauline.com. Nice and easy. <laughs> if you need my help, you can find me there, helpmepauline.com. I do have a podcast as well, How She Owns It. I have two podcasts, but the one that I focus on these days are How She Owns It, where I interview um, CEOs. So if you want to be interviewed, again, send me a DM. I'm on Instagram at, Paul, at CEO Pauline Malubai and on LinkedIn, Pauline Malubai. And on Facebook, I am Pauline Bay. So hopefully you'll find me. I've just opened TikTok today as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's something wow. to explore. <laughs> yeah, you're, get, you're getting to all the platforms, huh? Yeah, I feel like a teenage girl opening TikTok. <laughs> it's like, I feel like this is not my generation. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a look. And yeah, and, and on Clubhouse, I'm Pauline Malubai as well. Mm-hmm. Great. We'll put those resources as well in the show notes that people have easy to do with one tap and reach out to you. Pauline, thanks so much for finding time and sharing some bits of your wisdom and your experience with us here. And uh, thanks everyone for watching and and listening, tuning in. And let us know what you're taking with you from today. What are your takeaways, but also what are your actions? What do you commit to do in your business today to really offload yourself and to create that valuable free space in your calendars that every one of us can benefit from? Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 